We're going to wrap up our sermon series on Jonah. I really enjoyed this sermon series. I hope you have too. <clears throat> it's really uh, one thing you look for as, you're, as, you're, as a preacher is you want to see that the word of, word of God is changing you while you're preparing the sermon. And you want to see that you're, you're learning more from those scriptures and it's making you more like Jesus. And I know in my preparation, this sermon series has helped me understand the gospel more and my God more and our God more. And I pray it's done that for you. It's a small book. It's 48 verses. If you want to feel like you accomplished something, go to Jonah and read a whole book and then tell somebody. Read a whole book of the Bible. I wasn't playing around. But today we're going to finish this sermon series off. We've, we've talked about the blessing of God that he even gives us calls. That he calls us to hard callings. That he gives us purpose. Much of this world is looking for purpose. And if you have a call of God that you realize on your life, you have one half the battle that you realize you have a purpose to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. We learn that when you hit rock bottom, that can be a good and outstanding thing. And last week, Pastor Dave talked about we have a God that's so unrelenting in his grace that he saves evil cities. We're going to wrap it up with God's grace when we're mad at him. How many people have been mad at God in here? I pray that today you get some resolution when it comes to understanding your heart in this area. This is very important because what, what happens with a lot of people is they get mad at God. Then they almost say, oh my goodness, I can't approach God anymore. I've got to run away. I can't approach him. What I did, my anger, my frustration, even something I said to God, I can't be forgiven for that. So like Jonah, we run away from that felt presence. What I want you to hear today is God is far above us. His thoughts are above us. His love is above us. And he calls us back into his arms even when we're mad at him. I was leaving, leading a, a Bible study at the Kelly House a few years ago. And there was one guy there, a big fellow. He was about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, maybe 250 to 280. This man was a big fellow. He would fight in the super heavyweight division in the UFC. You understand me? And week after week, I started noticing that this guy was getting madder and madder. <clears throat> and I said, something's going to blow, man. Every week, I said, this guy is getting madder and madder. Then finally, we're outside. It was a nice day in the summer. And he erupted. He erupted. And he looked at me, and he said, the gospel you are preaching, it's not true because of the situations going on in my life. He stood up. And the good thing about being Restoration Road, unlike other churches, you've got to go through like 10 or 15 guys till you get to me. You know, and it's not like other churches where they just knock over the guy with the carnigan, and they just bang him out. These are rough and tough guys, had a few issues, maybe fought some, won some, lost some. More W's than L's, been roughed up, know how to throw down. So you got to throw through 10 or 15 guys. I'm not concerned. But he riled up. He's riled up. He stands up. He's yelling. It's not true. The gospel of grace is true. My life's a mess. Boom, 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 boom. Someone had to walk him off. And we were just like left in the aftermath of his anger and his frustration towards God. About two months ago, this man contacted me and said, can I have lunch with you? I figured he settled down by then. <clears throat> so we went down to Brother's Deli, 
And we sat down, and he said, Joey, I wasn't seeing things right then, and I'm sorry. I wasn't seeing things right, but now I'm seeing things right, and I know God was working out all those situations in my life, even though they were hard for my good, and my anger was unfounded and wasn't right because I wasn't seeing right, and God was really showing me much grace through that time that I was so angry at him. And what I need you to hear today, if you're angry at God, you're not seeing right. The issue is in here. The issue is in here, and it's with these. Because every situation in your life, whether you deem it good or you deem it bad, whether you deem it a winter season or a spring season, everything God does in our lives is for the good our good, and for the glory of God. He works all things out together for good for those who love him. There's nothing going on in your life that is out of the control of God. When Jesus was getting murdered, that wasn't something that happened by accident. That wasn't something that was out of control of God the Father. He ordained that suffering. When you are going through suffering in your life, That is ordained suffering. You read over and over again in Jonah 4, it says, appointed. He appointed the storm. He appointed this. He appointed the wind. He appointed the plant. He appointed the worm. He appointed. He has appointed seasons where you will deem them not good seasons. And if you don't suffer well, the opposite of not suffering well is being angry and frustrated at God like Jonah is today. Let's turn to Jonah 4, and let's hear from the Word of God. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And I just want to refer to last week. What displeased Jonah? It displeased Jonah that God forgave a whole city of people he deemed evil. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, You do well to be angry. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see that what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from the discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind And when the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint, and he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, and keep hearing this question, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in the night and perished in the night. 
And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there were more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also <clears throat> much cattle? Jonah is so displeased with the way his life is going that he said, God, if you're going to do this in my life, I would rather die. Has anyone felt so out of control that you said this isn't even worth it? You know what, God? If you're going to take this direction, I don't even want to live because I'm supposed to be in control. And this is not in my plan. Jonah is so frustrated at the compassion and mercy of God that he doesn't even want to live anymore. He keeps saying, God, if you're going to act like this, if you're going to do this, I don't even want to live. I don't even want to serve you. I don't even want to be your prophet because things aren't going the way I want them to go. You know, the biggest question I always get asked, one of the top probably five common questions I get asked as a pastor, and they say it in a rhetorical way. It's many people. They say, you're telling me that if a serial killer repents of his sin right before he dies on death row, that he can receive the grace of God? You're telling me that's the system of grace? Oh, they say, what? That terrorist who bombed that place, you're telling me if he repents to Jesus, that he can be forgiven and be in the same heaven that you say we're going to? And they say, you're telling me the worst criminal can be forgiven if he only cries out to God after these heinous acts? I say, yes. You know, people have problems. They have problems with the gospel of grace. And Jonah had a problem with the system of grace. He said, okay, maybe I could be forgiven for this, but not them. Not Nineveh. You can't forgive Nineveh like Dave talked about last week. They're beheading people. How do you forgive them? They're not worth it. I was just a minor sinner. You just had to swallow me up in a whale, that's all. I'm just a minor sinner. They're the real sinners. They don't deserve it. Now, see, people have this problem. We have this problem because we don't understand a few things. One, understand that the whole system of Christianity is based on grace and not works, lest no one should boast, right? We hear that, Ephesians 2.8, that runs through our veins. But for some of us, it only goes so far, and we get mad when people we deem unworthy claim to be part of the same faith as us, claim to be going to the same heaven as us. And Jonah is absolutely outraged that Nineveh has been grafted into the kingdom of God. And I want to ask you, is there a certain people in your life that if God saved them, that if God forgave them, that it would make you angry? Because they're not worth the gospel. It's those two or three people that just flash through your mind. Genuine Christianity is not deeming those people who just flash through your mind unworthy. It's praying for them to receive salvation. That's what distinguishes us. Anyone can love those who love them. Pray for your enemy. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Pray for those who talk behind your back. Pray for them, then you'll know what it is to walk with Jesus. Now, I heard a horrible story that happened in Lynn this past week. A road rage incident, and please hear me. 
I joke about it, but road rage is no minor thing. For some reason, we think that just because there's like steel and wheels between us, that it's all right to yell vulgar things at people who are behind other steel and wheels. That's still sin. You know, like the metal, your door doesn't stop it being sin. This is serious. When our hearts are in murderous rages because they didn't use their blinker, you are walking in the flesh. Okay? I just want to temper it in that. This man, there was a road rage incident. This man drove someone off the road. He got out of his car with a semi-automatic weapon, and he killed this young man on the street. Horrible. I couldn't even believe that this could be this impulsive, that someone could, for a road rage incident, get out and kill somebody. To me, when I read that, he said, I said, that guy's the worst of the worst. Would it anger you if God forgave him in prison? Then your heart doesn't get the gospel. And your heart doesn't get the grace of God. And your heart doesn't realize how sinful you and me really are. Because when Jesus came, do you know what he said? If you turn with me, please, to Matthew 5, 21 through 26. You didn't think I was going to preach this high when I had a cold. Then you don't know me. <clears throat> and now Jesus comes out. Uh, the, he's, he's expounded on the commandment not to murder. And this is what he says about it. He said, you have heard that it was said to those of all, old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says you fool will be liable to hellfire. What do you hear there? That we just deemed a murderer unworthy of God's grace, but we forgot that we're all murderers. Now, maybe you're one of the two people in here that hasn't lost it on the road. I could care less. I drive 25 miles an hour in a 65-mile-per-hour zone. I really could. I have my other sins. But to understand the gospel, to have mercy on who you deem the worst, you've got to understand that God has forgiven you of murderous impulses to forgive the murderer. You've got to understand that God's forgiven you of lustful thoughts to forgive the adulterer. You've got to understand that you stole from people in covenantness in your mind, therefore you've got to forgive the thief. You've got to understand that you yourself have talked about people behind your back. So you've got to forgive the person who's gossiping about you. Do you see the compassion? I can no longer get angry at sinners who are forgiven because they're forgiven, because I've been forgiven of so much. How dare, like Jonah, I set up a booth like, oh, God's going to forgive this dude? I'll set up a booth and I'll watch and I'll be angry about it. I'll watch social media. You've got to be kidding me. What is your booth? That you're setting up to be displeased with the grace that God has given out to whoever he pleases. And the key to not being angry at God is to accept the grace towards yourself and towards others and the grace in every season of your life. See, what, what Jonah had was misplaced compassion. See, we all have compassion, and you're going to put it towards something. There's going to be an object of your affection and compassion, Right? Jonah is more compassionate towards a plant than he is towards a city of 120,000. Let me give you one example. In our culture, 
We are more compassionate, some of us, towards animals than we are people. Can I get a silent amen? Oh, my goodness. If I see that commercial, in the arms of the angel, far away from here. And there's just a lab, just needs vitamin D. I can't do that anymore. I love dogs. I cry when I caught my first. Love your dogs. Pet your dogs. Give them good food. But they are not more valuable than people. We have a society right now, at least our culture around here, will cry over a dog dying, but people are dying daily from many different things. Homelessness, addiction, disease, broken hearts, but we're crying over our labs. It's misplaced compassion. I remember this young man was telling me when I was doing my apprenticeship. (coughs) He said, that his dad didn't really show many affection. Actually, his dad really didn't show affection to anyone in the family. No compassion to anyone in the family. Just cold. He was a trucker. He did his job. He came home. He ate his dinner, and he went to his room. But you know who he showed the affection to in the family? The dog. The dad would come through that door, and the dog would run his arm. Be like, there you are. Get over here. And he'd hug, and he'd hold this dog. Every night, he slept with this dog on his chest. Now, that's fine if you're loving your family more than that dog. But here you had his son and says, my dad doesn't hold me. My dad doesn't hug me. My dad doesn't love me. My dad doesn't give me any counsel. He had misplaced compassion because it's easier to love dogs than people. Can I get an amen? A dog's always happy to see you. I'm allergic to him, but I still love them. Dog's always happy, just riled up. There he is again. People have a mood. They like you one day, next day it was like you didn't like my post on Facebook, dog. I didn't like what you preach. Were you talking about me? Sometimes people are happy to see you. Sometimes they're not. We love dogs greeting. We love that dog. We're a hero in the dog's eyes. No matter what you do, that dog loves you. With people, it comes and goes the popularity. People let you down over and over again. Over and over again, because we're all sinners, right? And we've got to apply grace. A dog, he keeps bringing that stick back. This dog's awesome. He does every single thing I want him to do. People don't do that. People, 99% of the time, don't follow your hidden laws. They don't do what you deem they should do. Therefore, we give up on compassion for people. And we put our compassion on other things like animals, plants, cars, whatever your misplaced compassion is. I want to ask you today, wherever you're putting that compassion, that love, that tenderness, and it's taken away from compassion and love towards people, please realign your hearts today and put your compassion back towards people. Because that's what happened to Jonah. He gave up on people. And God asked him a question. He said, Jonah, could you imagine this anger? A city gets saved. This means a city is grafted, 120,000 people, bigger than the city of Lynn. Every person repents, and it, displeased, it, it displeases Jonah. He doesn't get angry. He gets angry that God saved them. He's not angry that they could be going to hell. He's not angry about other things. He's not angry because there's not more people going into the city to try to share the message of God with him. He's not angry at any of those things. Know what gets Jonah angry? 
a plant dies that was giving them shade. And I want to ask you, what do you get angry about that you shouldn't be being angry about? When you should be angry about other things. Do you get angry that you don't have a bigger home when there's people who actually need shelters because they're homeless? Do you get angry? Do you love shopping more than you love giving to the mission of God? You love shopping for material things more than you love giving to the mission of God whereby people are being saved. Are you angry because I couldn't make that purchase? I couldn't get that perfume I love. I had to give. What gets you angry? I'll tell you what really should get us angry. We should get angry that we love our comfort more than we love the Great Commission. We should get angry that more people aren't answering the call of God and giving their life as laborers to see the gospel advance. That should get us angry. That should fire us up. That should have us in the street giving call to people. Like you should get angry that there's so many people that know Jesus, but they're not in the local church doing the mission of God. That should fire you up. Because how will people know unless we preach it? How will the darkness see the light if the light stays home? How can they see the lamp if you throw that thing under the bed? Like Jesus said. That should get us angry that the people of God are not being the people of God and not meeting their potential. We're home whining and angry about stupid things. We're at home, pacing the house, angry about these things. And we should be angry because today, thousands, millions of people, I don't know how many people die a day. I don't know that statistic. But I tell you, a lot of people dying today and not knowing Jesus. Does that get you fired up? Do you say, I've got to take up my cross today? Or do you get caught up in these worldly things? See, Jonah has misplaced compassion. And not until you have a true and burning compassion for people who don't know Jesus will you ever follow Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? Please hear that today. Please hear that. Because God is displaying his wonderful compassion, and Jonah doesn't like it, but we see God's unrelenting grace. Can you imagine God saving 120,000 people? Jonah should be fired up, because talk about a fruitful ministry, huh? What pastor wouldn't want to get that call? Listen, go to Lynn. All you got to do is say repent. Oh, city. What do you mean, like Wesley? You mean the Pine Hill area? No, the whole city is going to be saved. It's in my plan. I'd be like, they're going to think I'm great. Get me there. Get me there. I'll preach anything. Jonah says no. I don't like it, but our God is so gracious and compassionate, and thank God we can not soft his grace towards others. Amen? Amen. Imagine we were the door, but God had to check with us to see if he had to save somebody. You've got like three people on your list. God has a whole, he desires that all will come to salvation. And we have an unrelenting God that shows grace even to cities. And you know, true, true spirituality, Christian spirituality, is doing the things that Jesus did. If you're really looking to grow in your spiritual life, look to Jesus. Say, how did Jesus do this? How did he love? How did he pray? How did he care? How did he talk? How did he live? How did he approach material things? Ask all those things. How did Jesus do that? And allow that to shape your life. Because Jonah, what Jonah does, he sets up a booth. He gets mad at God. 
He's angry. He's angry at the wrong things, misplaced compassion. Jesus, what city was he called to? What people were he called to? The Jews, his people. And he cries out. He heals the sick. The blind now see. The deaf now hear. The crippled now walk. The most compassionate and loving preacher you ever heard. Authoritative, yet very tender. And he preached with love. You know what? The whole city didn't turn. They all didn't get saved. They rejected and they murdered him. And when Jesus realizes the heart of these people, he doesn't stand out the side of the city like Jonah and he's angry. Would you turn with me to Matthew 23, 27 through... Um, actually, there's just a few verses. I think it's 37 through 39. Matthew 23, 37 through 39. And if I gave you extra verses, Andrew, I apologize. Show me unrelenting grace. See, Jesus' heart towards the city he's called to here. The city of Jerusalem. He says, oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and so stones those who are sent to him. How often I would have gathered your children together as hens gather her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you see the heart of Jesus towards cities there and towards people, the compassion? Right exactly in the right place. He says he weeps over the city that rejected him is going to murder him. And he says, I would have gathered you. He starts getting into real tender language like a hen gathers her chicks. You know us guys don't like to talk like that, right? I want to love you like a hen loves her chicks. But Jesus says, I want to bring you in close. I want to care for you. I want to love you. I want to show you compassion, but you kept rejecting me. I sent you prophets and you stoned them. And he wept over them. I think this is the key, what Jesus said on the cross when they were murdering him. He was called to a city and they, they pinned him to a cross. He says, Father God, forgive them for they know not what they do. I want to say that again because this is Christian spirituality here. This is Jesus. Father God, forgive them for they know not what they do. When you look at people, the only way to love people is to have that heart. What do we say? They knew what they were doing. They planned that for three weeks. I saw it coming. That's a heart. But Jesus, the sinless one, the one who could get angry and still be righteous, says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Do you look at people like that? Do you do well to be angry at people? pray that God will give us those hearts because the final verse really comes back to that heart of God. There's something in the sovereignty of God and the providential hand of God that those who are unregenerate and not born again do not even know what they're doing when it comes to evil deeds. The people who crucified Jesus had no idea they were crucifying the Son of God. No idea. That man who slapped Jesus, no idea he was slapping I am. No idea. Paul, when he was persecuting Christians, he had no idea he was ripping out children of God and throwing in prison. He thought he was doing the work of God. That person at your work who's treating you horrible and getting you in trouble with the boss, they have no idea 
what they're doing. That family member who's treating you horribly, who's causing drama, and you can't take it one more day. You need to look at them and say, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Because this is what God said to Jonah. He said, you, don't, you have more pity on the plant. He said, should I not pity Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more 120,000 persons, hear this, who do not know their right hand from their left. You know, the people who are hurting you in your life sometimes don't even realize they're hurting you. The people who are sinning and you're telling them over and over again, they don't even realize how evil that is before God. What this whole book of Jonah should do to us, it should cause us to run out on Monday morning, run to our workplaces and say, I'm sitting down and I'm going to be sly. I'm going to be harmless. How does that go? Wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. I'm going to go to my work and I'm going to sit someone down that doesn't know what they're doing with their crude talk and their thievery. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, even my testimony, what that means. Because they don't know what they're doing. That should cause you to go home and maybe you're having dinner with your family after church and say, time out. I'm outspoken on everything. It's time for me to be outspoken on my faith. Give me two minutes. Let me tell you something. See, if you wait to the time to be the perfect evangelist, you're never going to preach the gospel. Because there's all, no such thing as the perfect evangelist. There's hearts that have finally got the gospel and say, I need to share this. Because I can't let this person I love, I can't even let this person I don't know face God today without this pardon of sin that Jesus did. When I have the message to preach that could bring salvation into their life. And as we close this book, you would figure, right? If you haven't noticed over the past month or two, I'm trying to get you fired up for evangelism. You better be preaching to someone. Don't you dare make me waste my time up here. If you are like all for something over the past four weeks, I've been preaching this evangelism stuff. Will you make tomorrow the day where you get the courage and really do it? I almost asked for hands. It was real close. Do it. Be courageous. If they make fun of you, you know Jesus better. You're in good company. Because if they persecuted him, they'll persecute you. That's good stuff. Get involved in that. So you notice at the end of books, like, we want like that Disney ending, right? Like everything's happily ever after. We love our movies just to have, wow, that was real messed up, but it was happy at the end, right? Real happy. The guy finally got it. You go through this whole book. Jonah runs away. He gets swallowed by a great fish. He's angry at God. God saves a whole city. And by the last verse, Jonah still doesn't get it. You don't hear at the end, Jonah's like, grace, I get love. Now I'm a sage, I can mentor somebody. God in the last verse is still saying, Jonah, you've got to get this. And you haven't got it. You haven't understood love or grace yet. You haven't understood my unrelenting grace. And I believe there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. That until we see God face to face, God is going to still be poking us and saying us and talking to us and saying, do you do well to be angry? Why don't you have compassion on people? Why don't you love people? Everything you've been forgiven, you've got to get my grace. Every day God is saying, you've got to get a deeper level of grace. 
I pray we learned a few major things in this book. One, that God's never going to give up on us. Because I tell you, Nineveh wouldn't have been saved if it wasn't for God. Because Jonah didn't help the cause. We understand that God is so patient with us. That you see, God doesn't just stomp out Jonah. He conversates with him. He talks with him. He were any good parent. You know what's the easy thing to do, parent? And I'm still learning this. Be quiet. Go to your room. I'm done. But a good parent can show discipline and still say, listen, I need you to heart to understand this. Do you do well to be angry? Why did you act like that? Why were you outraged? Why are you so angry? Let's get to the heart of the matter. And God does that. And finally, this is a missionary book. Following Jesus, being a church, is not about just meeting. It's about being a family of missionaries. Called to our own Ninevehs and our own place to go. Restoration Road. Some of us have allowed fear for so long to keep us from being great evangelists. Some of us allowed the fact that we don't think we're holy enough to preach the gospel of grace to keep us from proclaiming it. 